now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe, your host here every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for decorating or improvement ideas for your home, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Centers, Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, operating as Island Savings Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Shoreline Inspections with Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. And of course, there's me. I've been selling real estate here in Victoria since 1991. I'd be pleased to help you as well, too. If you need any help or direction in your real estate transaction, give us, the whole home show team members, a call. We would love to hear from you. Real estate, whether you're buying or selling, is a very complicated process. That's why we real estate professionals exist, navigating you along the way in your journey. But there's a lot of terminology and phrases that exist out there that are confusing to those who don't do this on a daily basis. Today, my guest co-host and I will be going through frequently asked questions about the real estate process, explaining in detail and in plain, simple English what is seemingly a foreign language. My guest today is Kyle Kerr. Kyle Kerr is an associate partner of the Prime Real Estate team. We work together. He is a 10-year veteran of real estate here in Greater Victoria, past president of the Victoria Real Estate Board in 2018. He's going to join us in just a moment. We always, of course, love hearing from you. So if you have a story or a question that you'd like to share with us, let us know. Uh, you can find us by calling our hotline, 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Be sure to leave a message or find us online, cfax1070.com. Look under shows. There you'll find the whole home show with me, Tony Joe, and we'll discuss it on the air. We love hearing stories. We're going to jump right into frequently asked questions, though. Uh, Kyle, how are you today? Doing well, Tony. Good to see you again uh, on here. And and just so everyone knows, I only speak in simple language. So we're you good. only speak in simple language. <laughs> well, that's important because again, you know, it's um, it hey, truly it is a whole different language, isn't it? Totally. And that's the same when I go see the, when you go see a lawyer. It's just like speak simple language to me so we can understand what's going on. Yeah. I think realtors forget sometimes, you know, because we're in it every day and, you know, you and I, or we talk to other colleagues, you know, we use certain phrases and terminology, uh, you know, completion date, what's completion date, right? And, and of course, yeah. our clients are like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Right? And <laughs> yeah, uh, what is it? All the acronyms that we have, I think that always scares people, PDS, CMA, you know, mm-hmm. etc. There's always so many little things that we're working under, right? And the and also too sometimes it's regional because we've got our Victoria acronyms. They're often different in Vancouver or Ontario or exactly. in the states, right? Yeah, yeah. We all call yeah. uh, different things different things, right? Well, yeah, and even within Victoria, you know, when we start talking about municipalities and zoning, zoning codes, and and different bylaws, sometimes those have acronyms, and we throw those around like R one zoning, R two, R three, whatever, and so. Mm-hmm. That can be a totally different language wherever you are. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, for our listeners, we compiled this list of questions. And you know, really what this is, is these are things that people have asked us over the years. And it's things that we bump into kind of regularly, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just want to answer those easy ones. Now, you and I, we've not practiced this. 
No. So we're no. so we're gonna find out where this goes. Actually, this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna be a good test of our skills. So let's see uh, let's see how we go here, eh? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, although you just brought something up, and let's start with this. Uh, and of course, we have a good understanding of this because both you and I are, are past presidents of the real estate board. So we spent time at the director's table and, and we have a lot of knowledge yeah. about organized local Victoria real estate, right? Of course. Okay. Well, I so would he, say even national and provincial too. We've all, you've sat on national committees. Yeah. I've sat on national committees. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Okay. <laughs> so, so here's a question that I did not put on your list. So I'm hitting, the, I'm hitting you up with this right now. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about map areas so we know about uh districts in victoria right we know about municipalities yep. uh the real estate board has got this thing called map areas and sometimes people go well, you know what what is a map area who decides that right yeah well you know the mapping areas has been a way and, and you might have more history to, than me uh you know oh now you're passing viewer. it on to me you're passing it on to me <laughs> no but i mean the map areas we yes. have created I, I believe part of that work was done with davenport maps um but mm -hmm. really what it does is it geographically sets up different areas within a certain municipality or city so when i think about that the big the big one is saanich right yeah. so yeah. in saanich in in the mls system you can look up saanich east yep and saanich west Yes. which I, but there's only, but there's only one Saanich. So Saanich exactly. is Saanich, right? Yes, exactly. And the way I explain it to people is I always say the, the Pat Bay highway is kind of the split highway yep. there. So if you're on the East, if you want to be in Saanich East, that means you want Cordova Bay, uh, Gordon head, Cadborough Bay, Camosun inter or, or Camosun Lansdowne campus. Um, you know, those types of areas. And if you want Saanich West, you're talking prospect Lake, Royal Oak, the gorge, uh, all those great areas on that side. Yeah. I love the fact that we our map areas have names on them because you go to other places like um I think Toronto is an example. Like there's other cities where it's like zone two five two or you know, yeah. area one two three or whatever. Whereas yeah. we, we got names, right? Well, exactly. And it and it really allows us to be very detailed with someone if they come in and say, Well, I want to live in Oak Bay, but not just Oak Bay, I want to live in South Oak Bay, or I want to live in the, yeah. the Gonzales neighborhood. Yeah. We can really get nice and tight without even having to draw a circle around it, which we can do as well. But, you know, we can really target in those neighborhoods. And that's all been done by, you know, data research by the real estate board and, and kind of working within some of the municipal neighborhood plans and such. But you're right, it's clearly identified and, and a consumer doesn't have to think, well, what does is zone two three three Fairfield or is zone two five five South Oak Bay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the other thing too, and I'm glad you brought this up, is because um, different sub areas have different values. So when we're doing an evaluation, you can't compare Estevan to Uplands. You can't compare uh, Cadra Bay to um, uh, Quadra. Quadra, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so those that's a very important thing. The the other thing too is the map area is something that is doesn't fall under Saanich. Like Saanich didn't devise these map areas. It's yeah. actually the real estate board. And, and we did that through um, our data collection um, uh, process, right? Um, which is the reason why we've seen some changes. So uh, Fairfield became Fairfield East and Fairfield West a few years ago. Yes. Right? And for our viewers, Fairfield West is Cook Street Village. Fairfield East is Gonzales. Yes. It makes yeah. sense. And then, and then we had this thing called gravel pit in Colwood, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Which we used to always bug Gary McInnes about past president Gary McInnes yeah. because he yeah. lives there. He lives there. Yeah. Um, and of course that is now Royal Bay. Royal Bay. 
Yeah. Well, even even Bear Mountain had to be added about 15 years ago, right? Bear right. Mountain went from just being Skirt Mountain to all of a sudden, yep. you know, now and 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 technically with Bear Mountain, you might have to search in both Langford and the Highlands, depending on what side it is. Yeah. Exactly, and you've got some of those new developments coming in the Highland side. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to touch on with this whole map area thing. I had a listener. Uh, I ended up uh, flipping hot dogs with her at the Oak Bay car show last year. And nice. she brought up, she said, well, you know, I, I, I can't remember what neighbor she is. I think she's Oakland's or something. She's like, um, I, I don't think that we should call, be called, uh, you know, Oakland's map area. We should be called whatever it is, you know, hillside or whatever. Yeah. Um, and she asked me how to change it. And I said to her, I said, well, it's a, it, it's a complicated process because our data that we've been collecting for 30 years at the Victoria Real Estate Board, um, it's not an easy answer of, of moving the, 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 the border because no. a lot of the data that we have has to do with the map areas, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're yeah. looking for consistency for that historical purpose. Yeah, yeah, which is the reason why we, we have that data. So anyways, just want to start up with that question. We Look, I'm looking at the list right now. We got like 20 questions, and it took us, <laughs> took us like eight minutes to do the first one. So uh, I hope we can get through this. Yeah, we'll get through this. Maybe we'll just have to do another episode. Could be. Uh, yeah, listeners, <laughs> you're listening to Frequently Asked Questions All About Victoria Real Estate today with my co-host, Kyle Kerr from the Prime Real Estate team. Uh, we are going to take a quick little break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be picking this up with our list of 20. Let's see how many of these we can get through. Yeah, rapid fire. Let's yeah. go. Got it. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, and thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I have guest host today, Kyle Kerr, past president of the Victoria Real Estate Board, member of the Prime Real Estate Team at Remax Camosun here in Victoria. Uh, my associate partner, we've been working together for years. Um, Kyle, we have a question. Uh, we have a list of questions, I'm sorry. Frequently asked questions. Uh, let's go. Start it up. What's nice. your first question? Uh, well, you know, we were just talking about map areas and, you know, the, the MLS system and everything. So a, a question I get sometimes is, you know, what is the difference between Realtor.ca and Ooh. the MLS? Oh, Realtor.ca, which at some point was called MLS.ca. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so what is the difference for maybe someone looking at, the, you know, the public national Realtor.ca site and, and that local MLS that we talk about a lot? Uh, okay. Uh, so... First of all, people often complain about Realtor.ca, you know, functionality or, or lacking features or whatever, right? Um, what consumers need to understand is that all nine, I think it's 96 boards in Canada uh, yeah. that fall under CREA, the Canadian Real Estate Association, they all subscribe to this Realtor.ca program. So all of the MLS systems upload to uh, a the Canadian Real Estate Association and Realtor.ca, we all use different systems. So yes. quite often it's a fitting a, a square peg in a round hole kind of situation. Uh, yeah. So it's a catch all, right? Um, but the reality is Realtor.ca is not a complete database. It only exactly. provides information for consumers. Most consumers already know that the sale, the sold data is not there. Uh, that's information that uh, is still held with us, although this is changing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is not the MLS. And also, too, there's often a delay because there's a delay from when we upload, from when we load information onto our MLS system to when it uploads to Realtor.ca. So uh, it is not the same. It's completely different. 
Yeah, that that transfer is getting quicker now. I think within a couple hours now. Once we it used to be a locally, it used to be used to be a day exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. It's interesting that that local MLS and how it's different and there's more data there, but you know, that's why that data on realtor.ca is a little bit higher level yeah. because again, different definitions of things, right? Bedrooms, lot size, a bungalow. what's a, what's a bungalow versus, and then, <laughs> you know, frost level, you know, do you, yeah, do you, yeah there's di- different jurisdictions, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's why, you know, most consumers, it's always good for them to get connected with a realtor, whatever market you're in, because Mm -hmm. they can set you up with a direct subscription from the local MLS, which is wherever you're shopping, uh, because you'll get a lot more detailed information, you'll have access to more floor plans and media. So that's why it's important to get get on one of those search programs, just because realtor.ca is limited. Yeah, all realtor.ca really is, is today's answer online of what used to be the catalog. We used to have that catalog that came out every couple of weeks, right? Well, and I think even going more historically, you know, brokerages never used to share their listings, right? That was the history of the multiple listing service, correct. if I'm correct. correct, was if people remember, you know, you'd have to go to each individual brokerage to find out what listings they had. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, like a, every, it's like a car lot. Yeah. You got to go to different exactly. car lots to get. Yeah. Right. And it was, I, I don't, when did the multiple listing service, even in its book format, when did that start in the eighties? Oh, we've got one at the library at the real estate board. So oh, that's right. yeah, yeah. Would, yeah, I'm going to say it would have been like 82 or something or 83. Yeah. yeah. So that was the, that was the, the, finally the cooperation of, of brokerages working together, sharing the information more readily so that the consumer could work with the agent they wanted to and be able to look at all those properties. So it was a way of, of yeah, sharing information and sharing properties so that yeah. consumers had more choice. There's a lot more. The, M- the actual MLS system's got so much data. We can uh, we can do charts, graphs, uh, information, back history, uh, exactly. so much stuff. So that's that's the difference. Okay, Realtor.ca and MLS, big difference. Um, Huge here's the next question here uh, about listings, Kyle. The difference yeah. between what is an exclusive listing versus a MLS listing. Well, I think we almost we almost just described what it used to be historically. Yeah. Everything used to be an exclusive listing. Yeah. So for a consumer nowadays, that means that your agent will not be posting the listing on the MLS. It won't be on Realtor.ca like we just talked about. So you are saying we exclusively want you to market this property, not share it in the traditional means of using the MLS. Now, they may still share it on social media or on their own website, um, but it does limit the exposure because it's not on. Uh, not on the MLS. Yeah, they're not getting the realtor.ca stuff. They're not getting uh, other realtors probably will never bump into it because it doesn't show up on the MLS system, right? Exactly. It all depends on what is agreed upon under the marketing activities in the schedule A of that listing contract. Now, we see it sometimes maybe on the luxury side of the market mm-hmm. where, you know, someone with a five, 10, $15 million home might not want the general public to see all the pictures and, and be snooping around and know that they're up for sale. So some people do it for their privacy. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, we've used it in the past in, in, if we're getting a listing ready to market, maybe in a month. So we might, we might do it early, put up a sign early and and we need to have a listing contract to handle those marketing activities. Everything needs to be in writing, of course. hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. Uh, Hey, listen, as we're on the conversation of listing contract, um, another question that we get, I just got this the other day. What is the, um, minimal term for a listing contract? So when somebody signs a listing, is there a minimum? Well, if they want to be on the MLS, that's a yes. Uh, the MLS and the, the, the VREB uh, policy regulations state that it needs to be a minimum of a 60-day contract. Yeah. 
Okay. Now so that's, that's not, that's not to say that somebody signs it and sticks with it for 60 days. Sometimes, you know, they might change their mind and maybe the realtor has had a cancellation uh, conversation with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's always that conversation between the two parties. It's a legally, it's a legal contract and, and things can be rene renegotiated. Yeah. Um, how, you know, how are cancellations? And maybe there's another quick question. Yeah. Cancellations. Yeah. So someone signs, say a four month contract, yeah. something comes up, um, you know, family situation, life situation, and they don't want to sell anymore. Okay. How does that conversation look, Tony? Well, the, so this is the key thing. It is a legal contract that's in place, that multiple listing service, uh, that multiple listing contract. And um, it means that if either party wants to break the contract, there needs to be a uh, agreement on the other side, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you bring up this question because we've heard many cases where same situation, seller decides not to sell anymore talks to the realtor. The realtor says, no way, Jose, I've spent money. You know, our agreement lasts for the next, you know, three or four months. I'm not letting you out. We've heard those stories before, right? Yes. Right. And the brokerage has the right to do that. Now, our policy, you and I on the prime real estate team, I would say that if something happened with a seller, our own personal policy would be, you know, hey, we get it. We understand. Um, let's do business in the future. So let's put it off yep. for now. And then we can regroup at another time, right? But that's exactly. our policy. That's our policy. Exactly. And yeah. and every agent and every brokerage reserves the right. And and that's a good conversation people should have with their. And there is standard language included in the contract. But yeah. as you said, different agents and brokerages will have different policies. Some some might ask for what they call a marketing fee to be paid out, right? Yeah. So in that circumstance where. And as you know, we spend a lot of money, you know, by the time a person's listing goes live with virtual tours and video and, and, you know, you could have a thousand to $1,500 spent very quickly on a property. And so some agents do reserve the right to say, well, if you want to cancel early, we'd like to be reimbursed for our, those marketing expenses and then mm -hmm. everyone's good. So everyone handles it differently. Yeah. By the way, I would have to say that uh, if an agent was doing that, that should be written out in the listing agreement from the start. Exactly. Yes, it should be. Because we've also heard of cases where a seller says, well, I want to cancel. And the listing agent says, they'll do it. But now all of a sudden, they're hitting me over the head with this 1500 bucks. It should have been yes. established at the very beginning, right? Everything should be transparent and with clear communication, 100%. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, while we're at it, we're doing good so far. We're doing yeah. good. Yeah. There is, there is on the listing agreement a commission holdover clause. You want to talk about that? I've also heard it called the commission hangover clause. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. It's, um, it's in, it's plain, you know, it's not nothing secret. It's there, right? Yeah. So what section, is, is that section eight, section 10? Yeah. yeah. Um, what that really states is that if we list someone's home, you know, we carry it on for three or four months, we list it, we're advertising the signs in the door, listing expires. Yep. Seller says, okay, I need to take a break. We want to take the summer off. We don't want any more showings. We want to, you know, Yep. And you or, you or I get a phone call and an agent says, Hey, you remember that house at 123 Main Street? You know, my clients, they're really interested. They'd like to look. We mm -hmm. call the seller. They say, sure, have them come through. The buyers love it. They write an offer. Everything goes through. Yep. Now, because that person came to the property through our marketing efforts, yep. technically we wouldn't re need to renew a new listing contract for the commissions to still be payable. Yeah. So it allows, it allows us to still get paid. It allows the sellers to still be able to authorize payment to the agent for yeah. their marketing activities, benefiting the seller and realizing a sale. 
Yeah, sixty days. I think the yes. clauses, right? Yeah, and and by the way, that that holdover clause is nullified if the seller relists with somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very exactly. interesting. Uh, so, uh, listeners, we're doing frequently asked questions right now. Things that people want to know about the real estate process with my co-host Kyle Kerr. Uh, so much more to cover, but we do need to take another break here right now. Uh, we'll be back with more stuff. And by the way, uh, if you want to listen to this, just go to cfax1070.com. We stream this every week. And you can find our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, everyone. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners. Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, operating as Island Savings Insurance. The Sitka Law Group, for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs. And Shoreline Inspections with Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. If you need any help in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. We can help you out as well, too. We are the prime real estate team. With me today as a co-guest, co-host, is Kyle Curry. He's an associate partner at the prime real estate team at Remax Camosun. We've been selling real estate here since 1991. Uh, Kyle, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Now, I want to remind everyone, too, that uh, if you're just dialing in right now, we're doing a frequently asked questions, things people ask about real estate all the time. Uh, Kyle and I are uh, uncovering the wizard behind the curtain. We are, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're giving you guys the whole Coles notes about real estate uh, as a process. Uh, and by the way, if you want to listen to us, of course, we do stream on the cfax1070.com website, uh, or you can find our a podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Um, we talked before the break about um, seller stuff, listing contracts, realtor.ca and all that stuff. What do we do next, uh, Kyle, on our list of questions? Well, let's bang, let's bang some Let's bang some quick ones off. We'll do some okay, rapid fire. Sounds good. So yeah. a lot of questions we get asked when people start looking for properties is all the different forms of ownership and the different property types are out there. So here's a quick one. Yeah. Tony, leasehold versus freehold. Mm, okay. Freehold is where you own the land and the title is under your name, right? Yeah. Leasehold, uh, which is common on leasehold condos, for instance, that we see uh, yeah. they're older properties. They predate the Strata Properties Act. Uh, you may see the name of a corporation or a company as the landowner. And what you are buying is you're actually pre-buying the lease of the property for the rest of the term, right? Yeah. Whether it's a 50-year or 75-year or whatever. The biggest difference is because you do not own an interest in the land, these are not mortgaged traditionally because there's no, there's no attachment to the dirt. Exactly. That's the reason why leasehold properties are always cheaper. Uh, and we do see them in town. It's special discipline, though. Agent needs to know how to deal with them. Exactly. Well, another place you might find them is on First People's Land, of course, as well. Yes. So yes. if you're looking in, you know, the Songhees, Esquimalt, or across the island or across Canada, most First People's Land is is handled by a leasehold as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a place for leasehold properties. Uh, I remember uh, I've had a retirees sell their house in Fairfield and buy a leasehold at uh, Cook Street there, seven 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 Cook Street, right? Yeah. Stay in the same neighborhood. Instead of spending four hundred thousand dollars on a condo, they're just spending, you know, less. Yeah. 
and it's still the same as living in a exactly yeah for people on those fixed incomes or yeah it works as an investment as well i've had a couple clients buy a couple of those smaller uh units at at the orchard house which is in james bay and you know if you've got money and you've got cash and you know maybe you buy a a, an affordable studio for under two hundred thousand, and you get a you get a tenant in there and it's good cash flow for someone who maybe doesn't want to have as much money in the bank yeah and, and this is another reason why we get buyers that say, hey, why are those townhouses at 1506 Admirals so cheap? <laughs> exactly. It's because they're exactly. leasehold, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, bear land. We're talk, let's talk quickly about stratas. Yes. What is a bear land strata? Uh, you tell us. Okay. Bear land strata. So strata has a few different forms of ownership. Uh, of course, we're used to seeing condominiums and townhomes as that traditional. And really, we call those a building strata where it means the strata and the, the group of ownership, the group of owners is responsible for the roof, the structure, the drainage, the parkade. Yeah. Where a bare land strata, we see a lot of these in Langford and in Souk and, and areas with more land where the developer goes in, subdivides up all the parcels of land, and maybe the only common thing that they share is a road yeah. and some lights and some gardening. And so some municipalities will ask developers to do this because they want the road to be private and maintained by, by the residents in that situation. Uh, and so when you buy that piece of land, you have some shared responsibilities, but your house is your own responsibility. Yeah. So it's, and, again, it's a way to get some, something for a little bit cheaper, uh, but sometimes it allows you to have a, a park or a nice road or maybe a, a sewage treatment system uh, that's a shared expense. Uh, and, and generally speaking, uh, it's a creative way to maybe get a little more density. So to get, get yes. some more, uh, yeah, but, but uh, owners need to know that it is a strata. So it means strata meeting, strata council, uh, financial statements, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and bylaws. So, yes. so they might have the standard bylaws that say, you know, two, two dogs or whatever. And yeah. they can't just assume that they can have their four dogs. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and people sometimes think, oh, it's a bare land strata. It's really relaxed and loose. And it may be that way. But you're right. Those bylaws, if if one person in the strata wants to enforce them, yeah. they can and they can make your life really difficult. So it's yeah, really important to understand the ramifications. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, so since you're on strata, how about duplexes? What's the difference yes. between okay, you see a duplex and then a strata duplex? What is the difference? Uh, two titles versus one. Okay. So strata duplex, uh, it's two individual properties with two separate titles. So two different owners, but yet again, like a, it's a mini condo building with just two units. Yeah. So again, you have some shared expenses, the roof, the exterior, anything that's insurance property. Yeah. Okay. Insurance. Yeah. So you have anything that's common property or limited to common property is a shared expense yeah. where a duplex one owner, you might have two legal addresses, but you can't sell one half. You yeah. own both. Yeah. You can't separate them. Uh, exactly. By the way, I had a question from somebody uh, the other day about um, uh, Dalhousie, the one that we have in uh, Oak Bay there. Yes. Yep. Saying, saying, well, if we bought this, can I stratify it and turn it into two units? Because maybe there's some money to be made. Yeah. And what did you tell him? Uh, I said, it's very complicated because, you, first of all, you got to go through rezoning. Secondly, it's got to uh, adhere to today's building code. So that means new electrical, new plumbing, new fire separation, uh, sound separation, yes. all that kind yep. of stuff. So uh, it's very complicated. It's not that easy. You're right. And the most important thing there is a potential rezoning and bringing it up because we, we had our clients over on government street. They just went through that. They had owned, they had owned the legal duplex for like 40 years. And then yep. they had, it took them about a year to get that turned into a strata. Yeah. 
Yeah, for, and then there's a covenant on that too, right? That's a whole other exactly. story. That's a whole yeah, other story. whole other story, yeah. exactly. Oh, okay. So uh, as we're running through strata, stratas though, quickly, what is, what's the strata fee? Why why do people have to pay it? Well, you, you just know, said is, you just said a minute ago, you know, there's shared joint costs with all the owners, right? Yeah. Uh, well, this is the way that people shared those costs. So the strata fee generally determined based on something called unit entitlement. So it's the size of your unit relative to the other ones, maybe some other attributes to the house as well too, or to the condo as well too. Um, and depending on the building, it will cover things like the building insurance, yard keeping, elevator maintenance, janitorial in the hallways, uh, HVAC system, you know, yeah. uh, all of those things. And um, some people say, oh, I'm buying a condo and I got to pay 400 bucks a month for strata fees. But the reality is you do the math and when you own a house, you got a lot of costs that sometimes you forget about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sewer, water, recycling, all of those things you're going to pay for in a home. Yep. And the biggest thing that most people don't do when they buy a house is they don't, they don't have a contingency fund. Yeah. Right. And, and that's probably the most important part of your strategy. Part the of the savings. Yeah. Is, is, is savings. Right. So that is a four savings account. So when the roof comes up or the windows need to be replaced, hopefully there's enough money in the savings account to pay that out. Yeah. Most people that buy a single family home, the roof leaks, they just, you know, they throw it on their credit card for 10,000. Well, you got to find the money. Yeah. Exactly. And so most, you know, we always talk to our clients about saving up when they're buying a single family and you should always have a little savings account for repairs and maintenance. And uh, so it, it's a forced savings when a lot of people don't do it. So a, a well-ran strata can be a great investment. Absolutely. So, uh, and case in point, if the strata has really low strata fees, you got to wonder. You got to yeah. wonder. I just sent a listing to a client this morning, actually, and, and made that as a reference. It's a it's a newer, new-ish building, but I said, these strata fees look low, and even though it's newer, you know, they could be in a problem five or 10 years from now. Because they're not saving money now, it could affect them down the road. 100%. Well, we're having frequently asked questions with Kyle Kerr. He's associate partner at the Prime Real Estate Team at Remax Camosun. Oh, man, we're not even halfway through the list right now. This may need to be another episode. Yeah, I'm into it. Let's yeah, it. okay. So we talked <laughs> stratas, we talked listings, we talked uh, all of that stuff. Um, you know, it's time for another break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be covering more. It's all those questions that you always wanted to know uh, as a listener. Uh, and again, if you're just tuning in right now, you can find us either streaming on cfax1070.com or go online and find our podcast. Uh, the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on iTunes or Google Play. All of our episodes are there, 150, 160 episodes. We've been doing this for a while now. We love doing this. We love coming to you guys. Um, anyways, let's take a break, Kyle. We'll be back in just a minute. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, everyone. Thanks for coming back. This is The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. We're having a episode today and episode today uh, of frequently asked questions, things Maybe you haven't even thought about, about real estate. It's our language. It's our lingo. It's how we talk about things in the real estate world. But sometimes it doesn't make sense to normal human beings out there. And today's the day that Kyle Kerr and myself are dispelling any of uh, this confusion about real estate. Okay, Kyle. So we've gone through talking about listings. We've talked about stratas, strata ownership, right? Um, yep. Uh, we talked about map areas uh, early on. Uh, what are we talking about now? What do you want to cover? Well, I think people, you know, if, if they're writing their first offer, if they haven't written an offer in a while, there's a lot oh. of lingo that comes up in a contract and, and we talk about strategy. So maybe, maybe it's just the initial one is, is deposits. Oh yeah. So, so 
you know, deposits were done a lot differently 10, 15, 20 years ago, because I've been told that. And, you know, we write our contracts differently. So what, why is a deposit so important within a contract? So deposit is money. It's, it's earnest money. Uh, It is required uh, to make a contract legal. It's called a stakeholder. It's the buyer's way of committing to the contract. By law, that amount only needs to be a dollar, actually. Yeah. But um, in practice, what really happens is the size of the deposit is what demonstrates to the seller how committed the buyer is, right? So so if a buyer says, well, I'll give you a $1,000 deposit on your million-dollar house, well, let's face it, they would walk away from that in a nanosecond and kill the deal, right? Exactly. If it was a fifty thousand or hundred thousand, I've had a five hundred thousand dollar deposit before, right? Yeah, I've that seen some big is ones too. that's yeah. a show of commitment. Like that buyer is going through nothing. Is you know, you think about it as the seller. If I had a five hundred thousand dollar deposit on my property, I'm like nothing's going wrong here. I'm feeling pretty exactly. Good. Great point. And yeah. uh, two things is that can really benefit you in a multiple offer situation. Yeah, And I've worked through that with my clients sometimes. If you're, if you're competing with two or three other offers, and like you said, one buyer comes in with a $1,000 deposit, one has 10000 yeah. and you're able to put a $50,000 deposit down, which one is the seller going to look at yeah. and think, well, who's got the most money? Maybe, maybe that means their financial position is better because they've got more cash readily available. Yeah. Um, the other quick question I get about deposits, though, is who is it payable to? And why doesn't it just go to the seller? Because I've had sellers say, well, don't I get that deposit? Yeah, I need that money. I need that money yeah. to buy. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, it's, it's earnest money. It's held in trust. It is there so that it's out of the buyer's hands, but it's also not in the seller's hands yet, right? Because the yeah. buyer needs to be assured that the seller's not just going to take that money and then choose not to sell the house, right? Exactly. The deposit also keeps the seller on track. Uh, yeah. Traditionally, the deposit gets held in the trust account of the buyer's real estate company. That's another yeah. function that we have in the real estate transaction. Uh, although yeah. we do see in cases of uh, new developments, sometimes they want the, tr- the um, deposit money held in the trust account of the developer's lawyer. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's for financing purposes a lot of time is that that lawyer is working with the lender who's lending the money on the project and that that lawyer has to be able to show all those funds in his trust account to qualify for next stages of financing. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, the deposit. So uh, people often say, "Well, can I lose my deposit?" Yes. So can they lose their deposit, Kyle? Uh, potentially, uh, if they back out of the deal, of course. Yes. Right. So after you, rem- it, it all depends on when the deposit is placed. So it, it has become more and more common practice now for the deposit to be placed after the removal of subject conditions, which yeah. is your financing inspection document. So they're fully committed. Etc. They're fully committed. They pay the deposit. Yeah. So if you place your deposit after you remove conditions and then you back out of the deal beforehand, yep. before it completes, well then yes, you have, you run the risk of losing your deposit as well as potentially being sued for damages. Yeah. Now it was more traditional before, and sometimes we still place it this way that you will place a deposit uh, during a, or upon acceptance. acceptance of acceptance yeah. of the offer. So at that point you still have conditions on your offer. And so if the inspection goes bad, and you want to back out of the deal, a release still has to be signed by both parties, but generally you would get your deposit back at that point. Yeah, perfect. Uh, And as a reminder to listeners, the deposit forms part of the purchase price. So, you know, if you get a $500,000 purchase, you got a $25,000 deposit, that doesn't mean that you're spending another $25,000. That means you only got to come up with a balance. 
exactly. And it could yeah. be your down payment. You know, it, the deposit could form your down payment. Anyways. Exactly. Okay. So I, well, I, I quickly talked about there. Maybe I went too fast for people. So I, I mentioned condition dates. Ah. And I mentioned and I mentioned completion or closing dates. Yeah. Two so, separate things. Two completely different things. Exactly. So why don't you run them through that quickly? Okay. So completion or closing. Um, this is the biggest date. The completion, we'll call it the same thing. Completion slash closing date. That is when the sale transfer occurs. So that's when the buyer's money gets sent to the seller. That's when the seller gives the buyer the title. It's the handover day, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the most important day in a transfer. That is not necessarily the same day that you get possession. That's a great point. Possession's often the next day, right? Yeah. Uh, or whatever, whatever's negotiated. Um, condition dates are different. Condition dates are tied to when you're writing the offer. So, you know, you, you got an accepted offer, subject to financing, building inspection, uh, review of title and all that. Uh, my condition date is called, you know, 10 days from now. Yeah. That's, that's when the buyer needs to um, be satisfied with everything and decide to 100% commit and remove their conditions, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. You're, protect, you're protected at that point, right? You're yeah. doing your, I always tell people, it's, you're tying up the property, you're doing your due diligence and then you have, then, you know, so writing the offer is an important step and people get nervous about that. But I always tell them you should be way more nervous about removing conditions because that's when you're legally committing to the property. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Because, just, because those conditions, ahead. those conditions are your escape hatch just in case. Right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. For legitimate um, reasons, for legitimate reasons. Exactly. It failed, you know, failed inspection, financing doesn't come together, yeah. you know, suspicious not just, information. Not just because document. you change your mind. Not just because. Exactly. Yeah. There's not a cold feet clause. No, so. no, no, no. Uh, uh, anyway. Quick question though, just about uh, the completion date. When you talk about possession, because yeah. I've gotten those calls before from a, from a buyer saying, well, today's completion day. I want my keys. It's the day. Yeah. I gave um, the money. I gave my money. Where's my key? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. and people have to understand that we have to get, generally the possession time is clearly set out in the contract. And if we don't get confirmation from the lawyers that the funds have been actually received, because just because you gave it to your lawyers two days before, doesn't mean that they've actually handled that transfer yet. So you just have to be patient on that day and really remember what time and day you've set up for your possession. Cause it's not just automatic that we yeah. throw the keys to someone. Yeah. And, and, and also true, just like you said, the buyer goes, Hey, I paid the money. I want the keys. Right is one thing for the buyer to say that it's in his, his or her lawyer's hands, but it's the seller, the seller's lawyer that says, I got the money. Go ahead yeah. with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we talked about, Oh, how about subject to the sale of a house? Okay. <laughs> Somebody wants to, you know, I want to buy this house, but I got to sell mine first. So how can I do that? Kyle? Well, actually, I just got an accepted offer for one of my clients, and it's subject to sale. Uh -huh. um, so what that what that really means is you put an offer in, you have your standard conditions, what we talked about before, but then the sale is also subject to the sale of the buyer's home. So we just got this ex offer accepted yesterday. Uh, we're going to be putting the buyer's home on the market on Monday, yep. and now we have we're going to have forty five days to try to sell that property. And, and get an unconditional offer on it so we can come back to this seller and say, we've now removed that condition. So it's protection for the buyer yep. because if their funds are specifically tied up, um, if the funds are specifically tied up, 
uh, on that property, then we need to be able to facilitate that. But there is something called a time clause on that offer. Yeah. Well, okay. That hold, is, hold that thought just for a second, because we, we should bring up the fact that, so the, the nice thing about a subject to offer is it's the buyer's way of saying, I'll buy your house if I sell mine. If I don't sell mine, then I'm not at risk, right? That's yes, a, exactly. Okay. But then it can't just be subject to the sale of the house because then you're tying up the seller's property. No seller is going to want to take that, right? So there's this provision called a time clause. Yes, exactly. And so what that is, is that that allows the seller to take backup offers, right, from other bona fide parties who are interested who might not have a home to sell. Mm -hmm. So that second, that second buyer will come in, put an offer on the subject property. And then once they generally remove all of their standard conditions, right, they've yep. satisfied themselves with all their due diligence, they would remove those conditions. And now the only thing stopping them from buying that home is the seller's obligation to us as the, the first, first party. Offer. So that then triggers what's called the time clause. Generally, that's pre-negotiated. That can be anywhere from 24 to 72 hours. Yeah. And what we'll see is that I would get that call from the listing agent saying, your 48-hour clause has been, has been invoked. And now my clients, as the buyers, have to make a decision. It's kind of like a 48-hour call on a first right of refusal. Yep. So either my clients would remove that condition and, and hope that the property sells in time, mm -hmm. or they have to let that property release and you know move on to the next home yeah yeah the time clause yeah it's it's i gotta say though you know what if a buyer if the buyer says well i still haven't sold my house yet and you know what i'm still going to continue on with it anyway so I'll, I'll remove the condition to me you know my my standpoint is well why did you have it in there to begin with because if yep. you were able to pull it off you know yep. you you probably could have negotiated a stronger a stronger off you could have right potentially who yeah 100 percent. who knows who knows okay yeah uh, yeah, that's the subject to uh, the time clause. Very oh, I had by the way, I had one where um, uh, it was a Vancouver. This was just last week. Vancouver Realtor wrote an offer subject to the sale of their property. You said you're going online with this property on Monday. These guys yeah. haven't even gone listing yet. They're like, it's going to take us a couple of weeks to go online. So we want to tie you up. We're not even there yet, right? Um, uh, oh. And then it's it's a different market area, so we don't even know what the saleability yeah. of that thing is, right? Risky. Risky. Yeah, well, exactly. And I would say to any consumers out there, if you are, are, are looking to move to Victoria and you need to sell your house in another market, you're trying to make it subject to sale, yeah. you better give your realtor a lot of information and ammunition. And, and I've asked that of buyer's agents. Well, what's the market stats in that neighborhood? Are you priced appropriately? Yeah. You know, because I'm always open to working with those types of offers. But if it's another market, I need data and information yeah. to be able to guide my sellers uh, properly. And if, if that's the right offer to take. Yeah. And, and the other thing is you must always assess which is the stronger market, right? Exactly. So if you're coming from Edmonton, which is a soft market and you want to make a subject to the sale of Edmonton in Victoria, which is a stronger market, that yeah. does, that does not work at all. It works the other way around, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Goodness. Well, you know what? Hey, can you believe it? We're out of time. We can't even, oh, no. we can't even get to the seller's conundrum. That's the one we wanted to cover. We're going to have to do another one. Yeah. It's a good one. That, that's a good one. And we've still got, a, I look at our list here. We've still got a lot of great topics. So uh, we'll have to do it again. For sure. Well, we have been uh, covering frequently asked questions uh, and details about the real estate process that maybe you have never thought about before in your real estate buying and selling. Hey, maybe you've dealt with an agent. None of the stuff came up. 
It's because the agent did their job and took care of everything. <laughs> because really, all you want to do is buy or sell real estate. And that's what we are here for as well. Uh, listen, Kyle, thanks again, as always, for joining us. Always Kyle Kerr from the Prime Real Estate team at Remax Camosun. Uh, I'm Tony Joe. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be here for you this time next week.